out there in podcast land. You have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 86. My guest joining us later today for 10 rounds with Rhino, undefeated featherweight prospect from Bellator, JJ, the Maori Kid Wilson, is the next to go 10 rounds with Rhino. It was such an awesome interview. I can't wait for you guys to check it out. So let's go ahead and get into our schedule for today. We have another jam-packed episode this week. The return of the Rhino Gang Roundup with my results for Andy the Crasian Wens Lion Fight Muay Thai Bout, Vernon Biggie Lewis LFA Heavyweight Title Fight, Mandy L. Matador Sanchez Co-Main Event for Bellator 263. Of course, we'll cover the main event for Bellator 263. Have our full UFC Vegas 33 recap. Main card picks for UFC 265 next week. Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Of course, a nice little Q&A session with the Rhino gang. Gang, gang. And then, like I said, the undefeated Bellator featherweight contender, J.J. Wilson, is the next fighter to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So check that out with the Maori kid a little bit later on. So, as we love to say every week this year on uh, CSWR, let's get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. Our Rhino Gang Roundup is not going to get the normal big yeehaw because it didn't work out great <laughs> this weekend for everybody. So the Rhino Gang Roundup is going to get a yeehaw this week. Uh, our first fight for our fighters on the LFA was from the LFA. Uh, Vernon Big E. Lewis was fighting for the heavyweight championship against Thomas Peterson uh, pretty early on. Uh, Thomas Peterson landed a really hard uh, left hook. Hurt Thomas, I'm sorry, hurt Vernon pretty bad. Got down on top, got the GNP for the first round win. So Thomas Peterson is your new LFA heavyweight championship. Uh, chin up, big Vernon, man. We think you're going to be back. You're a super talented guy, great guy, and uh, I really hope you get another shot uh, down the line. Moving into Lion Fights, that was over in Italy. Our girl, Annie the Crazy Gwen, fought a very tough fight versus Sonia Dean. This ended up being a unanimous decision for Sonia Dean at flyweight. Um, moving into last night's Bellator 263, the co-main event was our guy Manny El Matador Sanchez versus Mads Bernal. Now, for the second week in a row, Drea, I feel like our fighter got Roberto'd, dude. They got robbed because yeah. for me, Manny Sanchez won two rounds of that fight. Of course, I give Mads the third, no problem, no question. But the first two were Manny Sanchez all day, dude. Uh, big bummer. Again, it was a close fight. I shouldn't say the word robbed, I guess. But I thought Manny Sanchez clearly won two of the three rounds. But they gave the fight to Mads Burnell by unanimous decision at 145 pounds in the co-main event of, U of uh, Bellator 263. So the main event from Bellator 263 was the culmination of the featherweight tournament. The championship was on the line. Patricio Pitbull versus AJ the Mercenary McKee. Wow, I was expecting like a five-round back-and-forth battle. Not the case, dude. <laughs> AJ McKee uh, hit a beautiful high left head kick, which really hurt Pitbull, kind of set him back into the cage on his butt. He did, you know, gamely get up, but AJ slapped on a standing guillotine, had him in there for a little bit. Uh, you could see Pitbull's right arm kind of slump. AJ looked at Mikey Beltran, said he's out. Mikey Beltran stopped the fight. Fight over, new champion, uh, long may he reign at 145. AJ the Mercenary McKee, awesome, awesome stuff. So that takes care of our Rhino Gang Roundup and our coverage of Bellator 263 from last night. So let's go ahead and get into our Vegas 33 prelims. Our first one was Orion Kosi versus Philip Rowe. This is one of those situations where I've had Orion on the show, and he's a, he's a great guy and really, really tough fighter. I also really like Phil Rowe. Um, the first round, it was Orion Kosti really taking charge. Uh, and then in the second, man, Philip Rowe just, he had a fire lit under his ass or what happened? I don't know. But, man, he started throwing bombs in the second round. Really hurt Orion. Uh, put him back into the cage. Finally, a straight right puts him down. Opened up his eye really bad. Second round TKO at 4 minutes, 21 seconds into the second for Philip, a fresh prince row over Orion Kasi. I know Orion will be back. He is too tough and too good of a fighter. Uh, we're not going to see him back in the mix. I know we will. Next, it was going to be at 135 pounds. It was supposed to be Trevin Jones versus Hani Lawrence. Hani had too bad of a weight cut, did not get to fight. This will be a theme as we're moving forward here. <laughs> moving into uh, 125 pounds, we had Ryan Benoit versus uh, Zaruk Adashev. Uh, this one was this one was interesting. So Adashev really started landing hard calf kicks early, right? 
Ryan Benoit uh, was a much more experienced fighter as far as MMA goes, but he did not check any of those leg kicks, and he was compromised early. Uh, in the second, <laughs> or wasn't the second? It was the first or the second. Benoit dropped Zuru Gadashev with a beautiful hook. Uh, Gadashev was hurt. He was on the ground, but he managed to fight through it. And then pretty much for the rest of the fight, which was Zuru kind of like being on his bike. You know what I mean? He was very much kind of skating around the outside, sticking and moving, did a great job. Uh, he, it was all him in the third round, especially. So yeah, clear cut UD for Adashev over Ryan Benoit at 125 pounds. Moving into Jin Yu Frey versus Ashley Yoder. Uh, Ashley Yoder had a good, I mean, a pretty decent first round, but I thought Jin Yu Frey was landing the harder shots. She was landing. She was way out landing Ashley Yoder. There was a lot of one-twos, right, by both fighters. A lot of them were, like, really employing the one-two game. Uh, one-two leg kick, one-two, one-two, one-two leg kick kind of deal. Nobody really seemed to have a real sense of urgency. Uh, Jin Frey clearly won at least two of the rounds. I actually gave her all three. So at 115 pounds, we had another win for Jin Frey, who's on a nice little win streak right now, over Ashley Yoder, who has dropped another fight. I believe now she's, like, 8-8, eight and eight, I think, overall. And I'm guessing we've seen her last... Uh, stint in the UFC because she has not looked competitive at all as of late. Moving into Kai Kamaka versus Jenny Chavez at 145 pounds. This one was a weird fight, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> early, it was it was a lot of pretty long feeling out process. Um, you know, Kai Kamaka was really landing a lot of hard leg kicks. Danny Chavez was landing some nice punches from the outside. And then there was like a really long break for an eye poke. The eye poke definitely happened. I saw it. We all saw it. He, uh, mm-hmm. Kai Kamaka really poked Danny Chavez hard in the eye. They gave him a nice long break. He was able to wipe his eye clean. He was able ready to go. Then, boy, they were both pissed off, fired up, ready to go. And then they were fighting, and it was getting awesome. And then a nut shot. <laughs> like, I don't know, like 10 or 15 seconds after they, they resumed fighting, there was a nut shot. That was a long break. Um, it turned into a nice slugfest. There was a nice tight takedown from, uh, from, from Danny. But really, from there was some good clinch work. Again, to me, Kai Kamaka should have won this fight. He was deducted a point uh, in the second round because he had been warned about the low blows and the eye poking and about having his fingers extended. So, yeah, this ended up being a majority draw, even though Kai Kamaka, you know, won two of the three rounds. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, but that's what happens when a point gets taken away. It gets everything all kinds of fucked up. So, yep, that was it for uh, Kai Kamaka and Danny Chavez. Uh, bummer. All right. So, because Kai Kabaka, as we know, is his Rhino Gang, and we were really rooting yeah. for him. But he performed really well. But it just that that point being taken away was just too much to overcome over the game, Danny Chavez. So, moving into Hafa Garcia versus Chris Gutzmacher, which we all remember. Well, most of us remember from his uh, his stint on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, this one was a completely. I was so impressed with Gutzmacher. Right. So Garcia came out really hard. He hurt Chris bad. Uh, he was throwing really strong punches. A, le- a left hook really hurt Chris, kind of sent him careening back into the cage. Then Hoffa went for the takedown, which I thought was puzzling. But uh, Rafa Garcia then, you know, er- early the second, Chris started to kind of pour it on. He was moving forward like a robot, like a Terminator, eating all the shots, throwing some beautiful inside elbows. Um, just a machine, dude. Gritzmacher, his great pressure and his body shots. You know, there's a lot of guys and girls in MMA who really, they never throw body shots, or maybe they throw one or two. Gutzmacher was throwing like four and five punch body combos, really putting the work in the inbox, we call that putting money in the bank for later, and he was really doing it, and uh, his pressure and his his ability to get up once taken down, Chris Gutzmacher got the unanimous decision. I actually, I would have been okay with giving it to Garcia because it was really close, you know. Garcia got some late takedowns, but Chris Gutzmacher getting the win was no... Skin off my nose. He was he put on a great performance. So did Rafa Garcia. Really fun fight. Really interesting fight. All right, moving into next, we have Brian Bam Bam Barbarina versus Jason Witt. Now, in our group chat, at one point, I just wrote out insanity because that's right. what this fight was, dude. Jason Witt got the early take. Right, Jason Witt got the early takedown. Uh, they they clinched up a lot. There was some quick uh, punches, and then he would take he would take Bam Bam back down. Two hard shots and Bam Bam opened up the second, which really seemed to get Jason Witt's attention. Just some big exchanging, then a big takedown from Wilt. Uh, <laughs> and then in the third round, everything just broke loose. I mean, there was big slam takedowns for Witt. Barbarina really hurt uh, Jason with some beautiful punches. Barbarina got hit. Their heads came together. It seemed to knock 
Barbarina off his feet. I mean, people were falling, people were diving, people were punching. It was just fucking, it was like the cartoons when we were kids where the dog and the cat get into a melee and all you see is like smoke and fucking, and like lines of activity. I mean, it was just, it was so fun. What a great fucking fight. That third round will go down in infamy, dude. That was just so much fun. Uh, eventually they gave Jason Witt the majority decision, which again, I did not have a problem with. Of course I was rooting for Bam Bam. We're big fans of him over here. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I would have been fine with either one of them winning. I thought Jason Witt with the takedown and the top control, uh, should have probably gotten the nod. So great fight though. Both those guys deserve a bonus. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff. Moving into 145 pounds. We had Colin Anglin, who's from Michigan actually, uh, against Melsic Bagdasarian, uh, this one, Colin did a good job in the first, dude. He was cracking. Uh, both guys were. Uh, Colin got a tie plum a few times, landed some nice knees. Take, he, got a, he got a takedown, but Melsic got back up. Then the second round, dude, Melsic back to Zarian was the man, right? He threw, <laughs> he, was, he was leading the dance, and then he threw a beautiful head kick, which dropped. Uh, which dropped Colin Anglin, finished him off with some GMP. I mean, dude, what a shot. What an incredible performance by this kid who's very early in his career. I know Colin Anglin's very young in his career, too. I believe that was his UFC debut as well. But, man, Melsic back to Sarian, what a performance. Uh, yeah, wow. We'll definitely talk about that a little bit later. Um, I'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later down the line, I am sure. So but they went out of order a little bit. So I'm just trying to make sure I'm keeping semblance of order here. So the following fight, if I'm correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, was supposed to be Ronnie Yaya versus Kyo Hoon Kang. But Ronnie Yaya uh, tested positive for COVID. So that fight was canceled as well. Let us not forget the Yanan Wu versus Nico Montano fight was also canceled due to Nico missing weight by eight pounds. Ugh. So our next fight on the schedule that actually took place would have been Jared Gordon versus Niklas Stolze. We didn't have to wait long for this one, did we, Dre? No. <laughs> it's like they came out blazing. Jared Gordon, what a beautiful straight right put uh, Nicholas Stolze or Niklas Stoltz down and out. Jared Gordon, first round TKO. What a performance by him. Great, great, great punch to end the night for Stolze. You know what's weird about this one, Dre, was that the – this fight was one of the ones that was, you know, kind of put out uh, the word out that it was canceled. This one was going all over Twitter and Instagram that that fight was canceled. But then Jared Gordon came out was like with like a video on Instagram. He was like, um, no, <laughs> our, fight, our fight is not canceled. We are absolutely fighting. And I don't know what these people are talking about. So I'm glad we finally, because, you know, this card originally had 15 uh, yeah. sets. And then it yeah. It and then it whittled down, down to nine. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, and then Jared's fight was put back on. So that became 10. And it actually ended up being a really great card. So let's go ahead and get into our uh, co-main event, which was Gloria DePaula versus Cheyenne Bays. Bays early got an early takedown. And then like when Gloria DePaula was trying to get up, she kind of kicked Cheyenne Bays away. And then on the get up, <laughs> Gloria DePaula, her hand had just come off the mat. I mean, split second. Cheyenne Bays threw a beautiful head kick, put Gloria down. She actually celebrated too early. Gloria mm -hmm. kind of gathered herself for a minute. Cheyenne jumped on top, landed a really hard elbow by a followed by a punch. Got the TKO in the first round for Cheyenne Bays over Gloria DePaula. Wow, that another like like back to back first round TKOs was pretty awesome, dude. <laughs> and then moving into our co, I'm not our co, our actual main event, which was Sean, yeah, Sean, Sean Strickland <laughs> over Uriah Hall. I mean, this one was what we kind of called last week when we were talking about it, right, Drea? Like, mm -hmm. we both were rooting for Uriah Hall. We really like Uriah Hall. Uh, but Sean Strickland is kind of a different animal at 185 pounds. He is yeah. nonstop cardio. He is just jab, 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 jab two, jab, 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 front kick, jab, 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 just moving forward the whole time. He's got really good defense. He blocks really well. He moves his head out of the way. Uriah had his moments, but, I mean, really, you could put on, like, a loop from rounds one through five, it was pretty similar. It was Sean Strickland moving forward, throwing multiple shots. Uriah, you know, kind of eating them, trying to get out of the way, eating them, trying to get out of the way, landing a shot on his own here and there. But, man, this was Sean Strickland from top to bottom, start to finish, 50-45 unanimous decision for Sean Strickland over Uriah Hall on that one. So, Drea, that has put ourselves at the end of our coverage for last night's and Friday night's fights. We know what comes next. 
It's Big Dre's top of the night. What do you got this week, my friend? So I was a bit torn, and I decided to turn to Twitter for a little help on this one. So I did a Twitter poll um, between Cheyenne Bai's, uh head kick or Melsic Bagdasarian. And what I got from that was 71% to 29% um, going for Cheyenne Bias. So uh, my drop of the night goes to Cheyenne Bias for that perfectly, just barely legal, timed head yeah. TKO finish over Gloria DePaula. And shout out to her getting the $50,000 bonus because it sounded like they were in some dire straits, which, you know, it's interesting too is that, and this is, this is a conversation for another day, but... It's not just her that's a UFC fighter. It's her and her husband, who are both UFC fighters. And if they're struggling that bad financially, uh, yeah, it's one of those deals where we really need to visit this this conversation at some point down the road as far as uh, allocation of money for fighters. So, big grin for Cheyenne Bays. She gets Drea's world-famous drop of the night this week. So, next week, Drea, we've got the incredible card. That is UFC 265. Um, first off, I know, uh, we've got Casey Kenny versus song Yadong. I've actually got Casey Kenny winning this fight by unanimous decision is my first pick for 265. What's your call on that one? Uh, I'm going Casey Kenny as well, but I think it's going to be a very close fight and possibly get a split decision. Um, but either way I'm going Casey Kenny. All right. So then we're going to move into 115 pounds. I've got Angela over Hill. Over Tisha, the tiny tornado Torres by all again, very close. I got unanimous decision for Angela Hill in this one. I think her size and her ability to keep distance are going to be the difference. Angela Hill over Tisha Torres, unanimous decision. What's your call on that one? Feature play Adrea. I am with you on that one as well. I'm going Angela Hill with the unanimous decision. All righty. Moving into the one that was probably the most difficult decision for me to make on this main card. I've got Michael Chiesa beating Vincente Luque by third round TKO due to ground and pound. Third round TKO to ground and pound for Michael Chiesa over Vincente Luque. What about you? I think this is going to be like a barn burner fight. I think it's going to go the full fight, uh, but I'm taking Michael Chiesa with the unanimous decision. Alrighty, moving into 135 pounds. We have longtime 145-pound champion Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. I think this one is going to be violence personified. I've got Jose Aldo beating Pedro Munoz by second round TKO. Round two TKO for Jose Aldo. What about you on this one, Drea? I'm going Jose Aldo, but I think it's going to go the full fight, and I'm giving him the unanimous decision. Alrighty, moving into woof. Which again, <laughs> we 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 got ourselves some real potential for violence here, right? Oh yeah, got, there's no doubt got, about it. <laughs> yeah, we've got Derek Hot Balls Lewis versus Cyril Gon. Again, I'm trying not to let my feelings about why this is taking place overshadow how great of a fight this is, right? For for me, Francis is the champion. There there is not there's no need for an interim belt at this time, right? But that's what's happening, so we got to kind of roll with it. We're getting a great fight for the interim heavyweight title belt. I've got Derek Lewis beating Cyril Gaon by a clean, and I mean clean, highlight reel KO in the fourth round, Drea. Fourth round KO for Derek Hotballs Lewis. What do you have on that one? Oh, wow. Okay, so I am going opposites of you on this one. I'm opposites! Opposites. I'm going Cyril Gaon um, with a TKO in round four. So we're going the same round. <laughs> Everything just the opposite person. <laughs> right. And I, again, it's one of those almost pick them fights, right? It's oh, yeah. just, they're, they're both so talented. We've actually got a uh, question about that in the uh, Rhino Gang forum. So, uh, yeah, those are our picks for UFC 265 next week out of Houston, Texas. So, Let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. Our first one comes from our homie, Rage of Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way. Rage of Sweet Potato, what do you got this week, dude? Nico Montano has one loss, seven canceled bouts, and now a weight miss of eight pounds, all since 2018. Obviously, there is something very wrong with her, both physically and mentally. So I'd like to know if you think fighters should have to pass psychological evaluation as well as a physical one. 
might we see less of this kind of behavior from the fighters if their mental health was taken as seriously as their physical health? So first of all, what a great and insightful question, RSP. The Here's, here's the issue. I don't foresee any type of psychological evaluations becoming a part of pre-fight medicals. I mean, especially for the big commissions like Vegas, New York, and California, that a that would cost them a ton of money. I mean, it really would because you have to bring in a psychologist or a, you know a therapist who's qualified to do these type of things. You'd have to go through all the time to get all these fighters. Uh, you know, evaluated. Then, like, what's the criteria to make sure if you are okay or not okay? to fight in a cage, right? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be a really, it's got to be unprecedented um, questioning and evaluation. And it's just something that I just don't see happening. Plus, like, again, we talk about what's the criteria, but then, so let's just say, for example, we, you know, uh, one of these um, therapists evaluates a fighter and they do find them to be too far off or have too many uh, red flags to allow them to fight. Who's to say that that fighter can't then threaten legal action against the UFC or against the commission or both to say, Hey, look, you can't tell me I'm not mentally capable of doing this, blah, 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 blah. So I just think it opens up the doors to too many problems, issues, you know, for, for the company or the companies or the commissions, if they were to do this, do I think it's a bad idea? Uh, no. I mean, I think all fighters and I think people should be really taking care of their mental health. Now, as far as Nico Montano goes, yeah, we all know something is amiss, whether it's, again, I don't even want to speculate because I'm not qualified to do so. But, yeah, something is amiss with her. She needs to go into some other line of work, uh, maybe training, you know what I mean, or, or running classes. I don't know. But clearly the fight game is not for her. So I would definitely like to see her go into something else. But, yeah, as far as, you know, psychological evaluations or determining what is or what isn't uh, acceptable behaviors or mental health state to fight, uh, in professional mixed martial arts, I really have no idea, man. That's crazy. And, and what a great question, RSP. Wow, I really, I wrote, I know I kept it pretty short, but man, I really wrote down a lot of stuff when I was thinking about this. So great question, RSP. Thank you so much, my dude. All right, I know next it comes from our big homie, Dean Dog, our motorcycle riding homie. Dean Dog, what do you got this week, brother? Does Cyril Gone have what it takes to get the win over Derek Lewis? Gang, gang. <laughs> uh, simply put, yes, he certainly has a good set of skills, uh, not only inside the cage, but he's a very cerebral fighter. I find him to be very intelligent as far as his game plans go. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Of course, he could win. Um, his, the thing about Cyril that I'm most impressed with is his ability of understanding distance. Now, granted, he's not just an MMA fighter. You know, he has a lot of kickboxing matches, and I'm sure that has helped him, you know, learn that skill and, uh, and apply that when he's fighting. But it is really hard, and that's something that you really takes a lot of time and a lot of fights to really understand is the distance factor and the placement of your footing and when you throw. And he's got all that, which makes him a very, plus the power, of course, which makes him a very dangerous fighter. That all being said, do you want to talk about power? You're talking about Derek Lewis, right? He's got the most KOs in UFC history, I believe. He is such a powerful, at least in the heavyweight division, he is such a powerful striker. His ability to get up from takedowns, not that Cyril is going to be looking to take him down a bunch, right? But if that were to happen... Derek Lewis just gets up. I mean, right? He just he defies all logic. He just gets up. Um, if so, if, if for some reason he does go to the ground and Cyril does get on top, Derek Lewis will not stay down long. Uh, this is definitely a hard fight to choose. And again, it's almost a pick 'em. But I am going to stick with my heart on this one because it's literally like fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent, right? <laughs> but I've got to go Derek Lewis by stoppage. And either way. Um, no matter what happens in this fight, Francis Ngannou is the champion of the UFC, and I won't hear otherwise. So thank you so much, Dean Dog. Great question, dude. All right, let's move into our, oh, it's our girl, APB. APB, what do you got this week? First, I have to say, I can't believe she didn't make a joke out of this question. But uh, her question is, it's Yadong fight week, y'all. Do you think he'll get the win over Casey Kinney? How do you see this fight going? First of all, there will be no shortage of Song Yidong jokes from our girl APB or others as the week and the night fight night move forward. I know. <laughs> so, uh, first off, I think Song Yidong, he's a very talented fighter. I, again, 
I've got Casey Kenny in this one. Here's why. I think the speed is going to be like the major factor in deciding who wins this fight. Casey Kenny has an incredible amount of not just foot speed, but hand speed. He is really fast. He doesn't have like a ton of power, but for 135 pounds, he's got pretty sufficient power to uh, cause damage. I don't think he's going to like knock Song Yidong's block off by any stretch, but I think his punches are going to land more frequently than Song Yidong's will. I think that Casey Kenny is going to, you know, cut harder angles. I just have Casey Kenny winning this fight. I also think in watching the Kyler Phillips fight against Song Yidong and kind of seeing a lot of the successful uh, techniques that Kyler employed and some of the things that he did that worked really well that gave him the win over Yidong, I think Casey Kenny has the advantage of watching that because he can kind of emulate some of the things that Kyler Phillips can do. Now, conversely, can Song Yidong emulate what Dominic Cruz can do? No, no, he can't because Dominic Cruz beat Casey Kenny last time out. So I think, again, that that gives Casey Kenny the advantage in this one. Um, I'm not saying Kyler put the blueprint on, but there's a lot of things that Casey could take away to, to I think, be successful in his fight against Song in that one. So thank you very much, APB. Drea, what, what's the famous tagline from Mama Sims? Oh, that's right. You can't be a wuss. And have a puss. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so thank you very much, APB. I know our fourth question comes from my homie Brian from the Holman Sale. Brian, what do you got this week, brother? Who is your Mount Rushmore of heavyweights? So the first three are very easy, right? So for me, it's Fedor, Cain Velasquez, and Stipe. Like, that's the first three that are very easy for me. The fourth one, I've really kind of debated back and forth with several guys. You could go old school. You can go Mark Coleman. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of fighters over the years where I think were very good heavyweights. Uh, you know, even, you know, Randy Couture. I mean, there's lots of them. But I'm going to stick with DC on this one. And it really – so I, I know he was a longtime 205 champ, but he never beat John Jones, right? But at the heavyweight division, he not only won the title, but he won it back. He also had the big win of the tournament back in the Strike Force days where he was a heavyweight. The really DC is a natural heavyweight. I know he's short, but he's a natural heavyweight, dude. He won that tournament through some of the best fighters uh, that they had out in heavyweight at the time, including Josh Barnett and Bigfoot. So, yeah, dude, great, uh, great, great heavyweight resume for DC if you really look at it through the whole time. So the reason he wasn't a heavyweight the whole way through is because he didn't want to fight Kane because they're really close friends. So, yeah, for me, and I kind of came down to it. So for right now, and it is fluid. Like, I can change one. But I think forever, Fedor, Kane, and Stipe will be on there. Uh, DC is on there right now. But again, I think Francis Ngannou is going to have the potential to be on there in a few more fights. Dude, I really do. So great question, Brian. Thank you so much. All right, I know we have our voice question. I think we only got one voice question today, Drea, and that's going to come from our homie, D-Crons. D-Crons, what do you got this week, dude? Hey, Rhino brother. Um, man, it's funny when fights look not great on paper. They end up being fire. Man, there was a couple bangers last night. It was really fun to watch. I picked absolutely just atrociously. Uh, <laughs> it's bound to happen from time to time. Um, I was just thinking back to uh, Dr. Pepper and Reese's there. That has to be my favorite build-up for a fight. Just two great dudes. Hopefully uh, they get a sponsorship or something. Something of some kind out of that. Two great guys. Awesome build-up. Other than that one, I was wondering what your favorite build-up to a fight was and why. What made it special. I love you guys. I cannot wait to listen to the show. Rhino Gang. Oh, and definitely can't forget, when I say Macy, you say. First of all, dude, not only you picked bad last night, I picked really bad last night. Drea picked really bad last night. I saw a whole <laughs> bunch of other mother truckers on the line saying that, <laughs> dude, my pick sucked tonight. Yes, yes, that was a that was one of those ones we're just going to throw away and not refer back to. Too many times. Yes. <laughs> For me, dude, my favorite. Not in our favor. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, dude, it was definitely uh, the buildup was Chuck Tito one. That was my favorite buildup, and here's why. So still to this day, Chuck Liddell, everybody who listens to the show knows, he's my favorite all-time MMA fighter. Tito was the first guy in MMA that like I really disliked, borderline hated. So it was a big buildup. Not to mention that during this time, the UFC was really starting to gain traction as far as being like something that people watched on TV or that were, you know, big names are starting to be heard on like sports talk radio, et cetera, you know? So 
the UFC was starting to gain traction in media. Uh, plus, as we all know, Chuck ended up bloodying up Tito and putting him down. So the buildup was big. You know, there was the backstory of them being friends and Tito ducking Chuck for all those years. There, there was all that backstory. So the buildup was great. The fight was fun. The result was awesome. So for me, dude, the, my favorite buildup ever, uh, which actually ended up being like the entire story. So the buildup, the fight, and the after fight was Chuck Tito one. That's my most favorite uh, start to finish story, I guess, ever told in uh, in the UFC and thus far. So thank you very much, D. Crons. I saw some of those pictures from your from your rafting trip, dude. It looks amazing up there. Hope you're having a great time, my dude. So, Drea. Now we have careened our way into uh, our 10 rounds with Rhino with our man JJ, the Maori Kid Wilson, and we'll get into that right after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Hey, everybody out there, Fight Fam. We have got ourselves a fantastic guest joining us today, undefeated featherweight. From the beautiful country of New Zealand, now calling Alliance MMA in San Diego home, we've got J.J. the Maori Kid Wilson joining us going 10 rounds with Rhino. J.J., thank you so much for joining us today, dude. Ah, thank you for having me, man. That was an amazing introduction. <laughs> well, we are super fired up. We are, we are super stoked to have you on, bro. So basically the first round going 10 rounds with Rhino was always the same for every fighter. We love to know, like, the beginning, the origin story. How did you very first get into being either a fan of or starting training in MMA? So it's um, it's actually a really, really long kind of story. Uh, my very first taste of mixed martial arts, I actually did kickboxing um, in Hamilton. I was real young. I was getting into a lot of fights, like, you know, in school. I wasn't a good kid. And... Um, my my mother's partner at the time he was a kickboxer and um you know he had about 30 fights but he was retired and uh he put me to train with his old trainer and i was training with him for like you know a few months and then i was yeah i I thought to myself this isn't for me right so i carried on being a a a degenerate right (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean i carried on being a hooligan and, and a degenerate on the street so, um, you know, fast forward to I was about 16, you know, at the time I was probably, what, 13 or whatever I was. And then fast forward a couple of years, I was 16. Um, you know, I was a full-on degenerate now. I was living on the street. It just My friend, he was on probation, and his probation officer had him training at, at a local gym. Uh, all of MMA is now called New Zealand Top Team. Um, he was training over there because his probation officer was making it. And then, uh, you know, he, he talked me into coming by buying me food. Um, and, and then, you know, I was like, okay, I, w- I went along. And it was a jiu-jitsu class. And, um, you know, I walked in, I got my ass kicked. And then I, I came back the next day, like, I wanted to, you know, I want to beat these guys up. Because, you know, I didn't like losing. So I went back the next day, you know, I got my ass kicked again. And then I just kept going back because I wanted to beat these guys, you know what I mean? And then, and then I turned into, um, and then I started competing. You know, I had my first competition within the first week. 
And then uh, on the, within the first month, I had my first kickbox, uh, MMA fight in the first three months. And then I fought kickboxing my first two weeks of training kickboxing. So from there, I just ended up moving into the gym and then that, it became my life. Dude, that's fantastic, bro. The uh, It's all paying off, man, because we've seen how you fight. You're 8-0 now, undefeated. It's, it's really going the right direction, dude. So your next fight is August 20th at Bellator 265. So just about three or four weeks away right now as we're recording. Uh, yes, how is so. camping going? Yeah, man. How has camp been going for this one? Camp is amazing, you know. Um, I, I'm a fighter that never goes out of camp. You know, so I'm training all the time, and it's always the same. You know, um, as as I get a name, we just make adjustments for that opponent. You know what I mean? So I'm not a fighter that goes out of camp, comes back into camp. I just consistently stay in camp, so I'm always ready. So I, I, I feel good, you know. Awesome. So if we stay ready, we don't have to get ready. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, exactly. Right. So we brought it up a little bit. You're fighting in a few weeks. Your opponent is a guy named Adam Borix. He's another very tall featherweight, right? So yeah. what besides him being tall does he bring? Like what challenges or what skill set do you think he brings into the cage with him? I definitely think um, at my professional MMA career, he's going to be the best striker that I fought. Uh, so, you know, he's going to be bringing that to the table. But I feel like uh, I made adjustments to shut his um, to shut his kickboxing down, and now I'm gonna look to exploit his um, exploit his grappling because you know I feel like he's inexperienced in, in the grappling world. Right uh, now, you guys have the co-main slot, which is very cool. People got to remember, you, you know, you're only 23 years old, dude. This is your ninth pro fight, so you've got the co-main slot, which is a very prominent position, obviously, on the card. Do you see that as a nod of confidence about your fights and your skill set that the guys over at Bellator kind of have uh, for you? Do you feel like this is an extra special kind of deal, getting that co-main event position on the card? You know, I think they, um, you know, they believe they they believe in my abilities. And, and you know, that just gives me extra confidence because I believe in my abilities. And all my, um, my friends, my family, my coaches, they all believe in my abilities as well so just seeing uh, more people recognize it is is it's just nice you know to prove to prove to me that my hard work is, has paid off and all my sacrifices that i've made to this day is uh being worth it you know absolutely man like i mentioned you're only 23 but so you're a super young guy like chronologically but you're not young and experienced including the amis uh including mm -hmm. your kickboxing you've done grappling tournaments you're a very experienced guy even at just 23 years old Yes. I, we always we always improve, dude. No matter what, we're always improving on something or everything as time wears on. What would you say is the aspect of your MMA game? Not any other, not any other part of it, but just your MMA game that you that you've really improved on the most from the beginning of your training until right now. Like, what's the what's the aspect you've improved on the most? Oh, from like the start since my very first day in the gym. Yeah, dude. Oh. Probably my min, probably my mentality going into fights. I would class that high above everything else. Cause you know, within my first, cause I had a lot of amateur MMA fights, I had a lot of amateur kickboxing fights, and crap tons of jujitsu tournaments and wrestling tournaments. Um, you know, I was struggling with the mental side of it for a while, but now I have like that. Um, I feel like I have a mental edge. Because I'm able to uh, control my emotions and fuel my emotions in a way that allows me to perform at my peak. You know, absolutely, dude. And that's a pretty common. I've asked that question a few times over over time with different fighters, and I could definitely uh, relate to that myself. I think the mental aspect is the one that once we, you never really get it fully figured out. You never fully harness it, but once you get better at that, the nerves, mm -hmm. the excitement, the adrenaline, all that. It, we, we really become better fighters on fight night when we're able to really focus on that particular part of the game. So, yeah, I, I think that's awesome. I'm really glad that that's what you feel has been the biggest improvement because that's a great tool to have uh, being as sharp as possible. So, bro, yeah. switching gears from being being from such a small country. And remember, dude, I asked this like a year ago or so. Whenever I had Janae Harding on last time, I asked her a very similar uh, question. 
So being from such a small country as New Zealand, how many, how is it possible that so many fantastic high level fighters come out of this country or, or train or train there? You know, you got Izzy, you got Hangman, you got Quake, uh, you know, yeah. you got Kai Kara France, you have you, you have Janae's originally from there. There are so many fantastically talented people who either train at or are from New Zealand. What is the secret, man? What is the story? Give me your opinion on why. <laughs> such a such a teeny tiny place has such a high level of badassery coming out of it. You know, I actually believe that it stems from a uh, Bamaoli Um It's an old kickboxing gym um, that was on a terror uh, through the kickboxing world. You know, before my time, like the generation before me. Um, you know, they were winning everything in kickboxing, kickboxing world championship. Mark Hunt, Ray Seffor, um, a bunch of other guys. Just two big names that everyone knows, you know. Right, um, right. They're all from Balmoral Liga, and you know, if you if you go through all the names that you just mentioned, you know, Dan Hooker, Israel Adesanya, um, Janae, everyone, they all. If you look at their their coaches' history and and who coached their coach, it all stems back to Balmoral Liga. Um, so I feel like there it was. Their training and their knowledge of the fight game, their fight IQ that they passed along to the next generation of fighters, which is us, that we've been able to take forward. And also, I feel like in New Zealand, it's um, it's a high fight culture in New Zealand. Like, as a kid, you fight a lot, like, all the time. So I think that adds a little bit into the mix as well. Everyone's got a, everyone kind of has a, has a little bit of an issue in New Zealand. It's kind of funny. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, I gotta, I gotta, I'm telling you, I'm, you know what? I'm just fully, I'm going full in on this. This is now my theory. Your theory is now my theory. The derivative from the kickboxing gym, everything else. I'm, I'm, there has to be some explanation, and I'm going with the Maori kids, dude. So I'm on board with that 100%. So, you, <laughs> so you found yourself, uh, I mean, really far away from home. Uh, in San Diego and Alliance MMA, with we, we all know the names that have come out of that gym and continue to train and come out of that gym. How did you link up with them? How did that kind of uh, transition take place going from uh, New Zealand to San Diego, dude? So I, you know, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, at first, I was an MMA guy, right? But then I fell in love with jiu-jitsu. I came, I came over here and I trained with Johnny Faria. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I was a, blue belt sorry in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu but you know my focus was more kickboxing more MMA I didn't really care I just came over to do the world to see you know what my Jiu-Jitsu would be like and then I fell in love with Jiu-Jitsu over here so when I went back I was like you know I'm gonna go back I want to do a full camp um for the next Jiu-Jitsu Worlds with Johnny Faria and, and I want to see um you know how I do so I went over there, I did it, I was a purple belt at the time. I lost Worlds, but then I got invited to another tournament the next, uh, I got invited to a special, like an invite-only tournament the next week. And then I beat the, the purple belt world champion that won my weight division. Um, I beat him that day, and then and then I was, you know, then I was like, you know what, I'm going to make it my, my goal to win a, a jiu-jitsu world title, as a, you know, from a purple, brown, or black belt. Um, and then for me to do that, you know, there w there wasn't enough jujitsu uh, athletes in New Zealand at that level to give me that type of training. So I moved over here, you know, because San Diego is the mecca of jujitsu in the world right now. I, I would consider it being better than um, better than Brazil. Uh, you know, then I I just committed everything into into jujitsu. And then I got the opportunity to fight for Bellator, and then I kind of switched gears back to MMA. Um, but, you know, from there I went on to placing third at Worlds at Brown Belt, and then once I got my black belt, um, I was fully committed into MMA, so I stopped competing Jiu-Jitsu. Well, that's, that, that's amazing, dude. The, uh, the, the, scene, the scene not only in San Diego, but just Southern California all in all with Jiu-Jitsu has just been blowing up. As of late, sure. so those of us who kind of yeah, those of us who kind of follow that 
know exactly what you're talking about, dude. So speaking of San Diego, speaking of uh, you being over there, dude, you posted a picture on IG not too long ago of you with possibly the biggest fish I've ever seen a human being catch. <laughs> what did you actually catch that or was that somebody else on the boat and if so are you like an experienced fisherman because what the hell man that thing was bigger than you almost so so i go spear fishing you, you know what spear fishing is yeah yeah for sure so i go free diving right um i shot that thing in probably about uh 70 feet of water wow yeah so we we went deep so we we're actually looking for we we're looking for tuna and yellowtail um so we went out there we're probably like what 10 miles offshore um and i dove down to probably about 80 feet on a kelp paddy and uh you know i got schooled by about 50 of them and uh they looked because i don't know they were pretty i couldn't gauge how far away they were but i thought they were small because they were pretty far away from me I, I thought they were a lot closer but they were probably about 12 feet away from me. But there was like uh, 50 of them, man. I got schooled by them. They're all around me. And that was actually the smallest one because I saw a big one and I tried to. <laughs> there was a bigger one and I was trying to shoot it, but he, I scared him off. And then I was like, oh no, I'm going to miss the whole school. And I just quickly shot whatever one I could. And that was the smaller one. I didn't realize. You- I, I shot the thing and I went all crazy. And at the time, you know, I'd been under the water for like, what, almost two minutes. So I'm like dying for breath. I'm swimming back to the top. <laughs> I'm swimming back to the top and the fish takes off. I have a reel on my gun, right? So the fish takes yeah. off and the reel's going out of the gun. And I, I catch my breath and I start reeling it back in and it's just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm like, holy fuck, this thing is must be huge. And then, uh, you know, I dove down to it. I have to grab it. Like, I have to like, kind of like bear hug it. Yeah. Because it, cause it's, you know, flopping around and it's got a big shaft sticking out of it. So if it flops around and hits you, you know, you can knock yourself out underwater. And trouble. Then, <laughs> yeah, trouble. So you got to like bear hug the yellowtail. I bear hugged it, swam it to the top, and then I killed it. And when you kill it, it's kind of weird because it makes a croaking sound. And then I like... That goes crazy. So you're holding on to this fish that's bigger than you. You're killing it. It's making a crazy noise and it's throwing you around. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So that's how that went down. <laughs> but that, honest to God, if that's a small one, I can't even imagine what the big oh, one would have looked like had you got it to the surface, dude. Yeah. See, when I shot the thing, I thought it was small. I thought it was like the size of my fore, like arm. I was like, oh, fuck, this is a small one. And then it just like keep getting bigger and bigger. It's, it's <laughs> it was so far away from me, you know. Everything underwater, it's hard to know. Sometimes if you're too close, they look bigger than they are. But if you're too sure, far, dude. they look smaller than they are. <laughs> well, in your young age, you are already a far superior fisherman in every conceivable way of the old rhino. So, dude, we are now into the two easiest questions of the entire ten rounds. Round number nine, bro. So, picture this, JJ. You've already trained. You've already gone to the fight. You've won the fight. The fight's over. The, it's post-fight time. You get to eat anything that you want from any place in the world. What are you getting, and where are you getting it from? Well, I would get, to be honest, the best steak I've ever had is at Connecticut and the at the Michael Jordan's steakhouse there in the in the Mohican Sun casino. Um the the tomahawk wagyu with truffle I think it was truffle butter or truffle cheese or whatever it was on top with mashed potatoes. It was so good. So good. That that sounds that sounds unbelievably good. It's, it's amazing. It's like a three hundred dollar steak, but it's worth it. Sure. Yeah, those tomahawk chops. Those tomahawk chops are not to be uh, not to be bought very often for most of us. That's a that's a rare treat indeed. Because oh, you're right, yeah. those are super goddamn expensive, bro. So uh, JJ, no. we've we we've careened our way into the tenth round, my man. So really, what this round is is just sharing your social medias with everybody. Let us know. Let the Rhino Gang know. Let everybody else know who listens. How we can follow you. How we can keep tabs on you and be fans of you uh, in your career moving forward, dude. So just your social medias. So you can follow me on Instagram. My name is the Moldy Kid, and uh, Twitter as well. I'm not on Twitter that much, but it's the Moldy Kid as well. And then um, 
TikTok is the same. Everywhere is just a moldy kid. So uh, follow me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We are all going to, JJ. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to, to hang out with us today to go 10 rounds of Rhino. We are so stoked to watch you um, at your Bellator 265 in the co-main event slot. We're all riding with you, buddy. We, are, we, we again, we're big fans, and we're sure stoked to have you on the show today, dude. Thank you very much, brother. You have a nice day. This is the Mode Kid, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Thank you so much, JJ, the Maori Kid Wilson. Man, that was awesome. What a fun conversation to have with you. And I'm telling you, if you guys don't all know who JJ is yet, he's fighting, like I said, he's fighting um, in the co-main event coming up soon for Bellator. Make sure you check him out. He is a really fun fighter, has a great fight on tap. Uh, yeah, I really think you guys should get behind him. He's a great dude and a really fun, exciting fighter to watch. Even for just 23 years old, this kid can scrap. So make sure you check him out. So thank you once again, JJ. Let's go ahead and give you our shout-outs and our outro to the Rage of Sweet Potato, to Dean Dog, to our girl APB, to the homie D. Kranz, to my buddy Brian from the Home and Sale. Thank you guys all so much for participating this week. Definitely want to give some shout-outs to some other members of the Rhino Gang. Of course, everybody in the Rhino Gang, GC. Gang, gang. All the homies of the PRG, the big dog Cyrus King, Brett MMA, my favorite Swede, all my underdog MMA peeps, and a special get well soon to Monica Franco. Hang in there, champ. Uh, to my buddy over at M Unmatched MMA Pod, Mike Morgan and Cairo from Shots Fired, Miss Fight Diva, my boxing broski Marquise from Weak Sauce Radio, our girl Pokey Mama, our, our other girl Ashley, the MMA, well, formerly the MMA nerd, but <laughs> from the Slay Little Podcast, we love you guys every week. You guys are so supportive. Thank you so very much, of course, to the backbone of this operation. Drea, the feature player. D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. Dave Fretz, the Einstein of graphic design. And my main broski, make sure you check him out on Twitter and Instagram, at Dave Fretz. And the graphic design does not get any better than what this man can do. I can't wait for you guys to check out the uh, poster he put together for JJ later. It is outstanding. Be kind to each other this week, fam. It's going to be a good week. The temperatures hopefully are going to start to drop around the country because, my gosh, it's been hot everywhere. <laughs> I hope you guys all have a great week, both in and out of work, forever and ever. Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. K-Side!